come to an awesome scripture here in 2 Corinthians chapter 10. So we're talking about taking captive every thought, right? 1 Corinthians chapter 10 talks about no temptation has seized us in verse 13, except what is common to man. So whatever we're going through, guess what? You're not alone, okay? Somebody else has endured a similar trial and you can make it through. It's not impossible, okay? That gives us confidence because what happens when we feel alone? We feel isolated. We pull back. We stay in our head with a sinking thinking and down we go, down the drain, down the toilet, which is not a pretty place to be, right? So 2 Corinthians 10 gives us directive on how to manage that thinking. And in verse 4, the Bible says, the weapons we fight with are not the weapons of this world. Right? Remember what Chris was preaching about? When Peter pulled out his sword and he hacked off Matthias's uh, ear, right? <laughs> that was Peter being in the flesh, responding in angst, understandably, and impulse, right? Ever hacked off somebody's ear? Maybe not physically, but, you know, you want to scratch out their eye or strangle their neck. Okay. <laughs> so these are real struggles, right? So that is the flesh, right? That's the flesh. So the Bible says we are not in a fleshly battle. On the contrary, we have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension. That's every single thing that's in the fear zone that sets itself up against the knowledge of God as we take captive those crazy, wild, out-of-bounds thoughts that we all have, okay? And we make them obedient. We make them obedient. So today I really want to talk about the how. I want to give you some tips and tools about things you can do when you're in the heat of the moment, right? Because we all get to that place where you're just not feeling it. I appreciate Nunca sharing that. We've all been there. If you've been a disciple for one week, you've had a hard moment, okay? Because the battle is fierce and it's real. So now you can appreciate when people have been faithful for five years, ten years, 20 years, 30 years, 40 years, 50 years plus. That's some battle wounds, okay? And, and we are to be inspired by that kind of perseverance. It's so great to have Carmen in the house tonight. And Carmen drives all the way from Daytona because she's a committed disciple, just like Penny does, because this is the kingdom and this is her treasure. Is anything too hard for the Lord? No. Right? So we see here, guys, that when we get caught into the flesh, nothing good happens. Romans 8. Romans 8. I feel like my hair is like crazy. Is it cold at all here? Fine if it is. <laughs> Romans 8, verse 5. Those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on what the flesh desires. But those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. The mind governed by the flesh is death, but the mind governed by the Spirit is life and peace. The mind governed by the flesh is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. Those who are in the realm of the flesh cannot please God. So why do we get offended by people who are in the realm of the flesh? 
right? Think about you and me before we were a disciple. And by the way, two years ago, Amy was baptized on the 31st after Taylor was baptized on the 24th of this month. And I was thinking about that, and I'm like, man, these two are just gems, right? Think about the impact that Taylor and Amy have had on the church. And that's just two years. Because they've come in and they've given their whole heart and they've been vulnerable and open and real and committed and sacrificial, right? And that applies to many of you in this group. And I really want to ditto what Marie said. Chris and I are so proud of the Orlando Church family. So proud. We wouldn't want to be anywhere else. I feel like God's given us the best disciples in the whole kingdom. I'm not biased. (laughs) But... It's you guys and your prayer and your sacrifice that blew that out. So know that your rewards are in heaven because the battle we're fighting is not flesh. And the crown we're going for is not the crown that will fade. It's the crown that's going to last forever. So we are talking about eternal things, things that are going to last 100 years from now, 10,000 years from now, 4 million years from now sisters, you're going to be somewhere. You and I in spirit and soul are going to be somewhere. And don't we want to hear those words? Well done, good and faithful servant. Right? So make no mistake, the battle is fierce, the battle is real, and we get to be vulnerable. We get to be honest. We get to have the safe place of women who love unconditionally. Do you know how hard that is to find? Do you know how rare it is to have a group like this with this level of diversity from older to young, from black to white and everything in between, from rich to poor? Everybody loving each other, the same, with the same concern, the same devotion, the same heart. That is not to be taken for granted and that does not happen organically, by osmosis. That does not happen when you're not committed to the kingdom. You don't come to church every other week. You are devoted because you are the church. Are you with me, sisters? And I'm not saying there's not a rare time, once in a great while, where you absolutely cannot be here. But it should hurt you. It should pain you. Because this is where you're going to get the most nourishment, the most encouragement. This is when you're going to get the practical and give the love that you will be given back to because you cannot outgive God, right? We could all be doing something different right now. And then what kind of a women's midweek would we have? Okay? So I want you to know each one of you counts. Like Chris said, everybody counts or nobody counts. And we know in God, everybody counts. So you count. Janice was reminding me today about a saying that we started to use before when COVID first started. And it went like this, you belong to God, you are believed in by God, and therefore you are beloved. And I thought, her and I were trying to think about that third B, but isn't it amazing how that's really a summary of the Bible? You belong, you're believed in, and you are beloved. That is incredible. That's the love zone we're talking about, okay? We are growing this right here, right? Remember in our head? hanging out in this little sickly sad zone. This is what will happen 
into your brain if you hang out in the woe to me, uncommitted, not open, secret sin, etc., etc., etc. Okay? This happens by default. It's not hard to grow weeds. Ever notice that? Yeah. Right? Yes. <laughs> they grow, and they grow real well. Okay? And if you don't intentionally take them out, they just get huge and dynamis and will take over your whole garden. Yeah. Right? So how much more management of the mind do we need to do, yeah. knowing that this is what happens when we don't be intentional about this? And it's so good to see Mama Maggie on the Zoom call. Love you, Maggie. We sure miss you. So with that being said, I want us to look at some practicals here, right? I want us to remember that um, as we come to God, we're running this eternal race, and God is with us. Nothing is too hard for him, right? So in Luke 9, I love this passage here in verse 57 because this is Luke's dissertation on what it means to count the cost. You know, we all know, give up everything to be a disciple, right? Deny yourself to be a disciple. But I love the way Luke addresses something here that I think we sometimes forget as disciples and we start using as excuses and that leads to lots of this being created in our minds. In verse 57, the Bible says, as they were walking along the road, a man said to him, who is Jesus, I will follow you wherever you go. Jesus replied, foxes have dens and birds have nests, but the son of man has no place to lay his head. I'm sure he was shocked at that response. <laughs> he was probably like, what? What do you mean? I like my pillow and my, hello and my room and my, you know, posturepedic mattress. <laughs> and in 59, he said to another man, follow me. But the man replied, Lord, first let me go and bury my father. 60, Jesus said to him, let the dead bury their own dead, but you go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Still another said, I will follow you, Lord, but first, did you see the but, right? But first, let me go back and say goodbye to mi familia. Eso problema. See? Jesus said, no one who puts hands to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. Sisters, this is Jesus speaking the truth in love, right? It's like when he looked at the rich young ruler who came to him and said, what do I need to do to accept eternal life? He, he said, go and sell everything because money was his everything what is your everything tonight sisters which of these men do you identify with right the first guy he's like wait a second i like to be comfortable wait you can send me go anywhere on a mission team and help no right fear comfortability your own plan the bible says god has a plan to prosper you that's his plan not your plan. Now, maybe your plan lines up with his plan, but you don't tell God what plan to give for you. You depend on him to work out his plan for you. That takes surrender. Sometimes we have to pry our fingers off self because we get so wrapped up in terror and fear and angst and control issues. Remember the baggage on the stage? Okay, it's not do you have baggage. It's what is your baggage, okay? 
And that's part of taking captive every thought. You've got to identify, if you thought about your thinking this week, what sin dominates your thinking? Is it fear? Is your first response to something, <gasps> is it self? Like, oh, no, wait, that doesn't, I don't, I don't like to wake up 30 minutes early. You know, is it greed? How did you feel through special? Did you really sacrifice? Maybe you could have done better, and you just didn't. That's between you and God, right? Look and change and take ownership, right? The second guy, he was like, God, first, let me go and bury my father, right? Then God said, let the dead, that doesn't mean you don't love your parents, but you don't hang around the safety zone until they die, then you seek the kingdom with all your heart. They could live another 20 years. They could outlive you. You know what I mean? So you've got to be loose-fisted. You've got to remember that God loves your family, your parents, your siblings, your children, your aunties, your uncles, your nephews, your nieces, more than we do. Okay? But you have to be a disciple first. And in fact, you don't have to. You get to. And if you choose that narrow road, I love how Taylor said, discipling, of course, first from God and then from Janice and the other amazing women in her life, helps her. Can you relate to being like, oh, let's go here. No, wait, let's come back into the safety zone, right? Because we're all dealing with baggage, and that baggage can affect us if we don't get help, right? The, The next guy, what did he say? Lord, first, let me go back and say bye to my family. Two issues are with family. So you can see how strong that sentimentality of the family is. Because we just think we know better, right? But sisters, let me tell you, I've never seen somebody compromise in their commitment, wholehearted commitment to God and the kingdom and impact their family positively. Monse is extremely committed. I really, really commend you, Monse. You and Marcos, from the beginning, you have just been like, I'm not the colonel of the house anymore, the general. Now that's my husband's position, because, you know, wives don't do good as generals. Amen. Laquita, learn before you get married. You'll do good. (laughs) Mo, that's right. I'm sorry. Mo shared that. (laughs) Right? And then Monse gets a lot of discipling. Paula does a great job. She gets input. She wants help. She takes correction. And she is a more mature woman. She could be like, hey, I've got a gun. What do you have to say to me? No. (laughs) I'm kidding. I'm kidding. That was a bad joke. Anyway. Okay. You see my point, right? Monse is very accomplished, very educated. She has a high-paying job. She owns a house. You know, she might not look like she needs help. But she humbled herself to become a disciple at the encouragement of her daughter. You know how hard that is? To learn from your child when they're imperfect and messing up, you know? And we love Deborah, she's awesome. But look at Monse's growth. And now to hear that good news, and I hope you guys are all diligently praying for the many amazing non-Christian spouses God has given us in our congregation. We have 10 of them, and they're all amazing. And I believe with all of my heart they're gonna come around. But sisters, you who are married to non-Christians, let it not be because you compromise and what they see at home becomes a stumbling block to them that they don't see full commitment is the only level of commitment a disciple should have. Amen? Full transparency, humility. That doesn't mean you don't mess up. 
I messed up today. Then you fess up. You get open, you get humble, and you get vulnerable, and you accept that it is only by grace that we are saved. Amen? Amen? So again, that being said, let's put those excuses to death. Let's put our hand to the plow, and let's be worthy of the work that God has for us in loving him, loving the kingdom, and of course that includes our family. But let's not get our priorities messed up and get deceived by the many schemes that the devil is going to throw our way. Amen? Do you know that the law of focus says that whatever you focus on expands? Why do you think God says, love me with all of your heart? Love your neighbor as yourself. Because when you focus on love, your relationship with God, when you focus on loving people, not being loved, loving people, then you get all your needs met. And that's what starts to grow. This little beautiful tree becomes a gorgeous forest. And it can bloom beautiful flowers with fragrances better than you've ever smelled or tasted. (laughs) You know how sometimes you can smell something and it tastes good? (laughs) So let's get to the practicals of what you can do in that moment of just feeling, right? so frustrated or so tempted just to want to not do something that would be good, okay, or do something that wouldn't be good. I have um, six of them. So the first one is, um, hang on one second here. Okay, no, I'm sorry. I have actually 11 of them. I'm going to go through them really quickly. So the first one has to do with deep breathing. Okay, guys, do look at some YouTubes on how to breathe properly. You'll be amazed, right? The second you start to think about your breathing, you bring yourself into the current moment. You deep breathe in, you exhale out, you're bringing your cortisol down. You're making yourself think about just the now. Close your eyes. The second you close your eyes, you go from details. You know how details sometimes you're just like, oh my gosh, wait, wait, wait. You go to big picture. When you close your eyes, what do you normally do when you close your eyes? You're either sleeping or praying. You're not driving. You're not fighting. You're not being crazy. Okay? So close your eyes and think about God. You're beloved. You belong. You're believed in. Right? Deep breathe. There's all kinds of techniques of breathing. There's box breathing. There's in for three, out for five, in for three, out for seven. And there's all kind of amazing scientific backing to why this is so good. Is there any excuse why you can't stop and close your eyes and breathe? No. So is there any excuse for me to get out of control with my anxiety and have a panic attack? Panic attack is just undealt with anxiety. It's nothing to be scared of because you can have agency over it. You can have autonomy over it if you just start taking the practical steps. This is all to prepare you to take captive those thoughts and make them obedient, right? The second thing has to do with, um, well, I added the close your eyes and make the big picture. So let's go on to the third one. Okay, there's a law that says in science, For every negative thought, you should combat it with three positives. So it's the three-to-one ratio. They've done a lot of studies and surveys and found that when you have a negative thought, somebody was telling, bragging about Sheila, right? How Nunca was saying how Sheila has grown so much because she has a situation that comes up and it's like, okay, this is scary. 
but you know what? Maybe God's working for my good. Let me think about how I can overcome. Let me, do you see what I'm saying? Think about what you do have, not what you don't have. That is rooted in gratitude. That's why Philippians 4 says, pray can, um, within, with prayer and petition and thanksgiving, present your request to God. Do not be anxious about anything, right? So it's three to one ratio. Just remember that. So have your three things that you're grateful for, and when it comes, go, God, I'm thinking about this. Why am I grateful? I'm thinking about that. This is what it means to me. I'm thinking about that. And that's how you're going to tip that scale to be more in the love zone than in the fear zone, okay? These are just ideas, tips. You might use some of them. You might find new ones that work for you. I'm just stirring up your thinking, okay? I'm just trying to shake you up to go, our responsibility is to take captive every thought. How you do it is disputable, okay? But to do it is undisputable. If you don't get a hold on your thinking and start humbling yourself to this discipline of renewal of mind, you will not make it to heaven. You could keep coming to church for 30 years, and I hope you do. But what is going to matter if you're letting your mind be wild and crazy? You know, the great visual that I think about besides these, you know, beautiful structures is if if my mind was a factory and I was producing this great product, As in every factory, there's quality control, right? So I am the manager, the boss. I do every job in the factory, okay? Amen. Because that's who I have control of, me, okay? I'm not controlling my husband's factory. Get out of his factory. Stay in your factory. Not your roommate, not your child, not your parents. Your factory, okay? That's who you have control over. And if I was watching the product go by and I just let those defective products move on through, Would your factory be closed by the quality control? We wouldn't put up with that, right? The government would shut it down. But we put up with crazy defects, crazy thorns, crazy toxins all over our thinking, and we just watch them go by. And we just think about them more, and they keep getting bigger and bigger, and then we wonder why our little tree is shrinking. Right? Because whatever you focus on grows. Whatever you focus on grows, right? So that's the third thing, guys. Please think about that. The next thing is when you have an issue, you really are not supposed to overthink on a negative issue, right? We all are great at meditating. What is meditating? Thinking about the same thing over and over and over and over. How many times have you replayed an issue where you got your feelings hurt? And that was five years ago, and you remember every detail. That is called bitterness. That is resentment, okay? And you've dug that little resentment tree roots deep down because you remember that that person did you wrong. How's that working out for you? Are you at peace most of the time in that realm? No, you're not. So you're only supposed to think about hard, difficult issues for between 5 and 15 minutes. You come up, you unpack how bad it is, you journal about it, then you come up with a plan. See? Okay, this is a terrible situation. Oh my gosh, I'm really stressed out. Why am I stressed out? Because how dare they not appreciate me? I feel like I'm being taken advantage of, and oh, I can't believe, etc., etc. Okay? Then you go, wow, have I ever taken advantage of somebody of being ungrateful? Yes. And does Jesus forgive me? Yes. So maybe I should make a decision to forgive them. 
And I'm going to, after I forgive them, I'm going to talk to them and seek to understand. Because assuming is a very bad thing in the kingdom. Right? So now you don't have to think about all those details anymore. You can step forward and go on with a plan to execute, to resolve. Do you see the difference? Overthinking, deep thinking. Amen? Um, I think singing. I love what Nunca, Nunca, you're just the star today. I love what she shared about the rap song, which I hope it was a clean rap song, um, and then her gospel song, superseding the rap song, right? Singing is very therapeutic. You don't have to know how to sing perfectly, okay? That's okay. <laughs> but singing, reciting a poem, humming, listening to soothing music, these are really great booster tools, hacks for helping yourself get back into the love zone when you're hanging out here for a second. Amen? Um, let's see. Oh, there's an exercise called havening. Who's ever heard of havening? So basically what it is, is if you take your hand and you start rubbing your hand like this, right? Think about it. When you show affection to somebody, why do we hug each other? Why do sometimes when somebody's talking about something hard, you put your mothers, you know, and we can be very empathetic and we, we can, you know, we, that's soothing, calming. Why do we pet our cat or our dog, providing we don't have crazy allergies, right? There's a soothingness that comes from that. So even just, even just doing this to yourself, it actually calms you down, right? Along with a deep breathing. Think about it. Are you going to take yourself wherever you go? So just like the breathing, there should never be an excuse why you can't close your eyes, deep breathe, and just be like, oh, God, help me. <laughs> right? And you guys know my favorite meditation when I close my eyes and breathe is to say Yahweh. Right? Yah, in, inhale, Yahweh. Because now you're connecting the name of God to your breath, and you're remembering who God is. You're bringing conscious awareness of the creator of the universe into your breathing, which is called meditation. Do you see how awesome that is, guys? You see that it's very tangible? It's not like, ooh, I have to be a guru and a Christian for 25 years to meditate. No. Joshua 1.8 says, meditate on the Lord day and night. Hold on to it so that you will have life and remember the commands of your Lord. Right? Um, and then I think just the practical of um, being compassionate. You know, if you start thinking about yourself and you're getting overwhelmed, Stop for a moment, do your little close your eyes, breathe. You can rub yourself like this and be like, amen, God, help me. And then you can think about somebody else. There's always somebody less fortunate than you. How easy is it to complain, right? You're here. You got here somewhere, somehow. You ate. You slept somewhere last night. You had a comforter or a blanket, right, or a sofa, something. You all look dressed very nicely to me, right? So... What do we have to complain about? Yeah. Right? God is Jehovah Jireh, the great provider. Think about somebody you're reaching out to, your neighbor, a sister that needs an encouragement call. And text them, call them, write them a note. But Do you see what I'm saying? When we step out of ourselves, when we're in our, into ourselves, that's another way of turning that thinking around, taking it captive and making it ob obedient to God. And then another way to reboot your brain is stretching and yawning. 
You can do this if you're at work on the computer. I mean, this doesn't even have to be a, like a stressed out, struggling with sin thing. It can just be stretch and yawn. Stand up, raise your arms up, hang all the way forward, stretch to the side. You know, there's such a power in stretching and yawning. Even if you don't feel like yawning, yawn, it resets your brain. It releases serotonin, dopamine, oxytocin, the good chemicals in your brain to help you come back to, hey, I can stretch and yawn. That's a lot better than somebody who's paralyzed and can't stretch. They can still yawn, but amen, right? So anyway, these are just a few little practicals that I just wanted to share with you. You may know many others and be practicing them really well, but I want to make sure we can equip each other with practicals, right? Because it's one thing to say, take captive every thought and make it obedient. And obedient means you land in the love zone. That's where your memory scriptures should be so important, right? I've so appreciated Psalm 28.7 that Chris gave us up to now. The Lord is my strength and my shield. I put my trust in him and he helps me. My heart leaps for joy and with my song I will praise him. That has been so anchoring to me personally in the last two months. I'm so grateful for that. How about you? You've known about that memory scripture, right? We've tried to bring it up and remind and share and call each other. Have you been taking that tool and using it, right? That's like somebody giving you a deluxe membership to the best gym. And all you do is show up and you're like, hmm, this looks nice. Goodbye. Right? If you don't use it, you lose it. If you don't grow and focus and engage, by default, you're landing here, right? And this eventually will take you out. Your baggage needs to get less as you grow as a disciple, not more. That's when you'll be exasperated and eventually, sooner than, you know, later, some t- at some point you will fall away, okay? So sisters, I really want to remind you that God loves you, that you are believed in, and that you belong to him, the creator of the world, chose you. You are amazing. What are you bringing to the table? How are you serving? How are you encouraging? Are you coming early? Are you staying late? Are you initiating? Are you sharing your faith and making the most of every moment so that you can be involved in Bible studies? Bible studies are first for us and then to help save the next soul. And to God be the glory. Amen. Amen.